This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock here with the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to examine the Fed funds rate and why it matters. There's a lot of news about the Fed funds rate and, quote, the Fed raising rates or lowering rates. What does that mean and and why does it matter? We're going to answer that in today's episode. To help us understand the Fed funds rate, we need to understand bank funding and bank liquidity. Most countries require that banks that take deposits keep a reserve balance with whatever the national central bank is. And in the United States, that's the Federal Reserve. So whatever bank you use around your local city or state, they probably have a balance with the United States Federal Reserve because that is the central bank of the United States. Why do they do this? Well, it helps make sure that there's sufficient liquidity in the event that banks require extra funds. On any given day or any given week, banks constantly have money moving in and out. Money moves in from loans being repaid and from deposits being made, money moves out from loans being issued and from withdrawals being made from accounts. So in any given day, there's money moving in and money moving out. And each bank has a, a certain capital requirement that they must maintain. They have to keep a certain amount of liquidity available to them in order to meet the ratios that is required from the Federal Reserve. So they have certain reserve requirements they're required to keep. If a bank finds themselves in a position where they've taken in more cash than they've given out, then their reserve balance grows. And if they find themselves in a position where they've sent out more cash than they've taken in, then their reserve balance decreases. For a bank, they're generally trying to keep their cash balance at that reserve level. If they keep their cash balance too high above that reserve level, they may be giving up the opportunity to earn interest on their excess funds. If they keep their balance below the reserve requirement, they could get in trouble with the regulators. It makes sense for them to try to dial that in pretty exactly and and keep their, their balances near that reserve requirement. That money, if you're in an excess position, you can lend that money out if you're a bank. So if you have too much money on your balance sheet for from a cash perspective to meet the reserve requirement, you're above the reserve requirement, you can lend that money out on an overnight basis, a one-day loan on an uncollateralized basis to other banks, and the rate that you lend that out on is the Fed funds rate. So this is a rate set by the Federal Reserve that dictates 
how much interest one bank can charge another on an overnight lending basis. If a bank finds themselves in an excess cash position, they can lend that money out to another bank that finds themselves at a deficit cash position. So banks are effectively helping each other out. If a, a, a bank did a lot of loans one day and they're needing cash, then they can borrow it from another bank that may have found themselves with too much cash and they want to just earn some extra interest on that. Bank lending, interbank lending effectively keeps banks solvent as a group. It helps banks raise money quickly. So the federal funds rate is effectively this set interest rate where it, it dictates how much interest one bank can charge another. And it's generally expressed in a range. So this is, uh, there's a high end and a low end, and it's usually the, the width of one quarter percent. So it might be 4.25% to 4.5%, for instance. The Fed, the Federal Reserve, oh, I'm gonna call it the Fed, the Fed can influence the economy by changing this rate, and that's why it matters. If the Federal Reserve raises the Fed funds rate, it basically disincentivizes a bank to borrow from other banks overnight, which means that they'll be less incentivized to borrow cash from other banks, which means they're less incentivized to have cash exit the bubble of the bank, which how, how do they accomplish that? Well, they raise rates on loans. So by raising rates, the Fed effectively is stifling the desire of a bank to lend money. And when banks stifle their desire to lend money, it reduces the, lend, the loans that are made. And when loans are made less often, then it causes the investment in terms of capital expenditures and, and other important things for businesses. If they're either less able to borrow or they have to borrow at a higher rate, it slows down their investment in either property, plant, and equipment or maybe people. And this over a really long period of time and in great scale across thousands of banks and thousands of industries can have the effect of slowing the economy down. Also, if the Fed funds rate is higher and banks remember they're wanting to keep money on their balance sheet so that they don't have to borrow it each night, what's another way that a bank can attract money? They can offer a higher deposit rate. So when a bank has a, when the federal funds rate is raised, not only does it impact their lending rates, it also impacts their deposit rates. Banks will offer higher deposit rates, which in turn will have the impact of attracting more money to their bank for deposit. And so by lending less and attracting more money in deposits, banks can effectively keep more cash on hand, which saves them money from having to um, borrow money at that expensive rate on an overnight basis. The inverse is true also. So if the Federal Reserve wants to stimulate the economy, they can reduce the federal funds rate, which reduces the rate that banks borrow from each other overnight. And if you're a bank and now you can borrow money overnight at a much cheaper rate, 
then you might be a little more willing to find yourself in that position where you're having to borrow. Therefore, you can lend a little more freely and you can offer a little less on deposits because you don't necessarily need to have that deposit money flowing in in order to uh, make sure you're above the reserve levels. So when you hear in the news that the Fed is, quote, raising rates or the Fed is effectively lowering rates, they're not influencing all of the interest rates in the market directly. They are only influencing this rate. So when they raise rates or lower rates, they're actually raising or lowering the Fed funds rate. And then that rate in turn has trickle-down effects across the entire fixed income market. So short-term treasuries, three-month treasury, for instance, heavily influenced by what the Fed funds rate is. Now, the further you go out in terms of maturity, the, the less the influence is. So when you're looking at a 30-year treasury, for instance, that rate's going to be somewhat influenced by the Fed funds rate, but much more influenced by other factors, such as the market's expectation for long-term inflation and economic growth. The Fed funds rate is set by the Federal Open Market Committee. There is a, uh, it has members, and they meet multiple times a year. I believe it's eight times per year, and they set that rate, and it's one of the most important things that the Federal Reserve does. The Federal Reserve has a dual mandate to maintain target inflation and maintain full employment. One of the tools that they use to do that is changing the Fed funds rate. The Fed funds rate has moved up and down quite a bit. It also moves quite a bit in each market cycle. When you think about the market cycle, you have, you know, if you want to start at the neutral level, you have the, the neutral level, and then you have the economic expansion, you hit an economic peak, then you flip over and the economy begins to contract, you ultimately hit recession, and then it turns back up again. The Fed funds rate is deployed in different mechanisms across that cycle. In a neutral time, the Fed funds rate may be still, it may, it may not move. The Federal Reserve does not have to move it. In times of economic contraction, the Fed will be inclined to lower the Fed funds rate in an effort to spur on economic growth and try to reverse economic contraction. They may also lower the Fed funds rate in times of really low inflation in an effort to prevent deflation. The Federal Reserve may increase interest rates during times of excessive economic expansion or high inflation when the economy is sort of running too hot and, and they can deploy higher Fed funds rates in an effort to cool off the economy. If the Federal Reserve had its way, the economy would just plot along in sort of an average manner, you know, sort of a 2 to 4% growth rate every year, 2 to 3% inflation every year, and just march along that way forever. That, that would be ideal from the Federal Reserve's perspective. Unfortunately, that's just not reality. 
we have external events that occur that hit the economy and they cause economic growth to either speed up or slow down in ways that sometimes the Federal Reserve can't foresee. And then they have to move the Fed funds rate in response. Now, their moves are somewhat telegraphed to us. They're, they issue a report after each meeting. Uh, they have meeting minutes that are summarized and sent out to the public. And one of the elements of the meeting minutes uh, is something called the dot plot. And it's a way for the members, the voting members, to basically project out where they think the Fed funds rate will be in the future. And each voting member is a dot on this graph. And that way it's somewhat anonymous. We don't know who one particular dot belongs to, but the markets can get a sense of something like, well, for example, maybe in a future year, all of the Fed funds members think that the rate will be between two, two numbers, or maybe there's wide disparity in what the Fed believes that the Fed funds rates will be in the future. At the end of the day, it's just a guess. And over the last two years, the Fed's own predictions of where things would be from inflation to their own Fed funds rate has been a little bit off. But nonetheless, the Fed does do their best to be transparent and to telegraph what they anticipate the Fed funds rates will be into the future. That said, the markets can be surprised and the Fed can make left and right turns as needed in order to do their best work to keep our economy stable. So as you watch the news, and the Federal Reserve has been in the news a lot lately, you'll likely hear the phrase, raising rates or lowering rates, and all of that comes down to this Fed funds rate. It's not that they're directly impacting treasuries or municipal bond rates or deposit rates or CD rates, but they certainly have an indirect impact on all those rates. When they raise and lower the Fed funds rate, the economy and other fixed income markets respond in turn. And the U.S. is not alone in this. Every other modern country has a central bank. And when we were talking about Europe, has the European Central Bank. Every country's central bank is more or less trying to do the same thing. Their individual mandates may be slightly different, but when they, quote, raise rates, they're generally changing the rates that banks borrow from each other overnight to affect how they interpret their reserve requirements as they run their operations. Now, all of this matters to you as an investor because when the Fed raises rates, you can anticipate a few effects most of the time. Your rates on deposits will probably move up slowly, though not immediately. Your borrowing rates will likely increase. If you're a fixed income investor, especially short-term fixed income, you'll find that the rates in the market for those will be higher. However, you may find the prices may also be lower. Conversely, if the Fed is going to lower interest rates, you'll find weaker rates on deposits, cheaper borrowing. If you're a fixed income investor, short-term fixed income may not pay as much in the market. However, you may find that the price of fixed income you already own has actually increased. 
Well, this wraps up our quick episode on the federal funds rate. I hope you found this helpful and educational as you listen to the news and hear about the Federal Reserve and them raising and lower rates. Now you know what that means and how it can apply to you. Take care, and we'll see you in next week's episode. This recording is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to is for entertainment purposes only.